0: Let's talk about
1: politics, environmental science, global warming, constitutional rights,
0: social and economic challenges,
1: money, power, choice, nature does not compromise, Green routes, free heat waves.
0: sea levels are rising, and it is about climate change, the uh, future of the next generations.
1: So hi everyone, and welcome to season two of Let's Talk About Climate, a podcast where we talk about climate change and how it relates to all of us, and I'm your host, Ian and this is Let's About Climate. Um, Today, we are having our new guest, Ariana Khan. We are coming to come together and talk about things related to climate justice. So, Ariana, can you say hi to our audience and introduce yourself? Hi,
0: everyone. My name is Ariana Khan. I am a youth climate organizer, poet, and an environmental scientist. I'm currently doing my master's in environmental sustainability and decision making on the environmental science track at St. John's University. I've been involved in the youth climate movement for the past nine years at this point, And I am so excited to talk about climate with you.
1: Yeah. Um, so to start out, um, I feel like climate justice is kind of like a huge topic. And I'm not sure if our listeners are familiar with this. Uh, Maybe can you like share a little bit why you're interested in climate justice and what does that mean to you? Yes.
0: So before I get into the definition of climate justice, I want to tell you about why I got into this work. I was born and raised in Bangladesh, which is a small country next to India, 8,000 miles from New York City. Um, And growing up there, I witnessed annual flooding that, you know, got really bad um, and probably worse each year. Um, In fact, this summer, when I went back home after graduating college to visit my dad and my family, we had one of the worst floods that has ever happened in the last few decades. So you know, uh, when I started doing this work, it was really honoring where I come from and the experiences that I've had there and honoring the fact that um, frontline communities really need to be centered in climate conversations and climate policies. So climate justice at the end of the day is centering frontline communities and marginalized voices to deal with um, our world's changing climate.
1: So, um, I really like that you mentioned the specific miles from your home country, <laughs> New York. It's really like, help us kind of visualize how far it is. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I talk about marginalized communities, I'm like, also thinking about, uh, because like in the US, I feel like in the global North countries, and then a lot of other, other countries in other continents, are definitely like the global uh, like they're experiencing that maybe people in the US doesn't experience and there are many countries there are global south uh, and they definitely like they like need financial support and other things to also to come to to come to like uh to like reach the goal for net zero and do things about climate change and climate justice. Um, so, um, I just wonder, like, can you, um, can you, like, giving, like, your story or your, like, uh, sayings that, like, your thoughts about why our audience should care about climate justice?
0: Yes. So, you know, as I've mentioned, I was born and raised in Bangladesh, but the concept of climate change and the consequences of climate change didn't really click for me until I started living in New York City. The reason that I mentioned that my home in New York City is now over 8,000 miles away from where I grew up is because back in 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hit, a lot of the impacts here were actually very similar to what I had experienced uh, growing up in Bangladesh. So. You know, um, it doesn't matter whether you live in the global north or the global south, when it comes to climate change and extreme climate events like flooding or hurricanes, um, you are likely going to experience those no matter where in the world you are. That being said, if you are from a marginalized community, let's say you're from a lower income community or you're from a black and brown community, you are likely to get hit with the worst impacts. You are likely to be less resilient to those impacts because you are likely to have been deprived of resources to deal with those impacts.
1: Yeah. Um, can you like explain a little bit more for our audience? Uh, why, if you are like marginalized community, you're like black or you're uh, you're in poor communities, you're more likely to uh, hit by those like disasters or, things caused by climate change
0: yes so i will use new york as a case study for that new york is one of the richest hubs one of the and it has one of the richest cities in the world right Um, new york city is a dream city however that wealth is not equally distributed amongst all of the neighborhoods and amongst all the communities here in fact we are now eight to nine years post Hurricane Sandy, and you still have low-income families in Far Rockaway Queens rebuilding from Sandy. A lot of the reason why wealth is distributed that way and resources are distributed that way is because of unjust policy. When it comes to my native country, Bangladesh, which is eight thousand miles away, the reason that um communities and villages are lower income there is because of historical events like colonization and historical mechanisms of pillage of wealth right so um it's really important to look at this issue really from community by community to examine the policies that have you know created wealth in said communities or rather lack of wealth in said communities and then and then contextualize why you know, they might have less resources to deal with a really bad flood or to deal with a really bad drought. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, um, and also I wonder like if, if be like, uh, how you can think about a way that people or our audience can be more connected to the, like the, the, like, the like the Hurricane Sandy and the aftermath uh, uh, situations and also other things related to climate justice, how can they like be a person to be part of the solutions or, you know, to help out?
0: Right. Yes, I think more and more people are trying to figure out how to be a part of climate solutions, which is a good thing. Um, the first and foremost step we all need to take is to see where we are in our own communities in terms of wealth, you know? Some of us have more resources and more privilege than others. And I will use myself as an example. So even in Bangladesh, you know, when I was growing up in the capital city there, I was living in a place that had the resources to deal with the extreme flooding. I wasn't living in one of the villages that literally got wiped off the map because of the rising sea levels. I was living in the city and my family had the resources to still send me to school after the floods receded a little bit you know they had the money to still um rebuild our neighborhoods after there was devastation from floods that wasn't the case for everybody and that was something that i had to grapple with and that i had to really um do my research to fully understand and that i really had to open my eyes and have conversations with people to really understand especially because i was a child Um, that, so like when it comes to folks wanting to getting involved within the climate movement in their own local communities or states or countries, um, that's something that they will have to assess for themselves where they are in the context of their communities. Um, the next thing would be to examine their local policies. Uh, in my situation, when I was living in New York City, I actually didn't no climate change as a formal concept in my public school education. Um, so I was, you know, at the age of 13, I was working with a group, of, with a nonprofit group called Global Kids to mandate climate education in New York City because I realized that, you know, I wasn't getting um, an understanding of climate change and this like really important topic um, from my science curriculum or from my, you know, social science curriculum at school. Um, So really to assess where our communities are in terms of wealth, to assess where our communities are in terms of education and then figuring out how we can change that. Like that is the first and foremost way that we can get involved. And of course, uh, there are smaller actions, right? That might not be super community oriented that we could take in our personal lives. So for instance, I started composting Because you know, even though I live in the middle of New York City, it's something that we can all do. Um, I started being more conscious of my food choices and my transportation choices. Um, Those are just small things that I do on a day-to-day, every day in my personal life to to be a part of climate solutions.
1: Yeah, um, totally. And it was it was also really interesting to hear your like story. Um, growing up, and also about the part for climate education. Um, mm-hmm. can you maybe like share a little bit more about how you initially get involved with climate change and climate justice, because like, um, uh, maybe our audience are, like, they just hear about this topic today and they're like, I don't know where to start. Yes,
0: yeah. So I first started um getting pulled into the youth climate movement at the age of 13. Like I said, this is shortly after Hurricane Sandy hit, and I was just really sitting there, examining the parallels between my experiences with flooding in New York City versus my experiences with flooding while growing up in Bangladesh. Um, I realized that there must be something of a connecting thread there because of the similarities of the situations. You know, um, in Bangladesh, I would miss school weeks at a time because of the floods and in New York City, when Hurricane Sandy hit, subways got boarded up and we were actually, again, staying home from school for a long time um, as as the city repaired itself, um, slowly but surely. So I had to sit there and figure out what the connecting thread was. And I realized that it was, you know, um, the growing frequency of extreme climate events due to climate change. Um, That being said, I was fortunate enough to stumble upon an organization called Global Kids that was giving a climate science education and a climate policy education to young people in New York City at the time. And then I did a fellowship with another organization called the Action for the Climate Emergency, shortly known as ACE, um, who were also doing a lot of youth grassroots organizing work around climate policies and climate education. So, you know, I started to take action when I understood the scope of the problem, um, which took a lot of living through um, extreme climate events myself, which took a lot of like research following that. I'm hoping that people can get involved in their own lives with climate action, not because They've already experienced extreme climate events, but but hopefully they get to take action like way before that. You know they get to um, work towards building resilient communities way before the first extreme flood hits, way before the first drought hits.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So like getting involved with like local or some organizations that doing the work, doing the work is really helpful. Um, yeah, and then. And I I'm like, because you mentioned like uh you experienced twice those, you know, her sandy hurricane and flooding, right? Yes.
0: I, oh. I would I would say I experienced this annually growing up in Bangladesh. Um, and you know, almost just as frequently well after living in New York City, because the similarities uh in geography between those both of these places is that you know, both of these places are very close to sea level. They're both very close to bodies of water. Um, and, you know, as New Yorkers, we kind of forget about that because of the hustle and bustle of the city. But we are literally a collection of islands at the mercy of the Atlantic Ocean and our river systems.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was wondering if you can share a little bit, like, how you kind of address those you know, feelings after experiencing those, like, dramatic kind of, like, you know, disasters?
0: Yes, um, that is something that I am honestly still unraveling um, within myself, because so much of my childhood was contoured by extreme climate events, and one thing that I would like to note is that Um, South Asia, where Bangladesh is located, is known for its monsoons, so my ancestors, um, who are all farmers, like my family back home are still farmers, they are very, very familiar with monsoons, and they are very adapted to living with um, hurricanes and flooding, because that's actually what sustains the soil, the fertile soil there, Um, but so for me, you know, growing up, I didn't really know that what was happening wasn't normal. I didn't know that the worsening floods annually wasn't normal. I just thought maybe this is how things always were. Um, so definitely, like, it took me a long time. In fact, as long as um, me living in New York City, uh, uh, like, which was, you know, in the latter um, teenage years of my life, for me to realize that. What was happening wasn't normal. Um, that was a first step to unraveling some of those feelings, acknowledging that. And then, you know, I'm still processing um, the effects of all of those not normal events. Um, and one way for me to do that is through poetry. Um, so I avidly journal and I am um, a poet, like I write eco poetry and I also teach other young people how to write eco poetry. Surrounding um their experiences with um whatever climate events that happened in their homes or in their neighborhoods or in their countries, and yeah, just just creating language to to really process the feelings that might emerge from what has been normalized
1: within our lives. Yes, thank you for sharing that. I feel like it's also kind of hard um, um, and also like, I feel I see the the aspect that like climate education is really important in your story for sure. Yes, absolutely. We can't process
0: what we don't have the language for um, and we can't process what we don't know about. So education is definitely a huge component of that, you know, understanding the science and then, you know, from taking that and creating language for ourselves through poetry, all of these are aspects I think of the same work.
1: Yeah, um yeah, I guess um we can wrap, ho- wrap this up a little bit. Um uh, do you have anything you feel important you wanna let the young people these days to know anything you can you can mention anything you, you want to and also like things related to hope, how they can like find their hope through this climate justice and also doing climate work yes um i
0: before i gave any advice i just want to talk to my own younger self first i'm still a young person i'm only 22 years old now but i yeah like I, i really want to express gratitude to my younger self to my teenager self um for questioning the systems that were in place at the time for questioning the education that i was receiving for questioning the experiences that um, the adults around me said were normal, such as flooding. Um, Really questioning the status quo as a young person um, helped me define my purpose within this movement and helped me figure out, you know, what needed to change and what I needed to work towards changing. I really want to express gratitude to my younger self for that. And, you know, that's, really the only thread of advice that I can pull, um, what I really want to say to young people is that keep questioning what um, what gets deemed as normal by the people around you. Because you know these extreme climate events aren't normal. The policies that we have in place to deal with that or to not even like acknowledge these things isn't normal. And questioning all of that is the first step to figuring out how to take climate action as well um so yeah I, that's just my little piece of advice <laughs> yeah
1: i i totally love it i think it's really important um thank you for sharing all those things and also your experience i feel like this is a really um, important and really impactful conversation um, yeah thank yeah. you so
0: much for having me I I loved like
1: I love talking about my journey
0: within the climate movement, um, with everyone, and I hope that more and more people
1: join us. Yeah. So, to our listeners, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, That's about climate. And before you go, don't forget to like us, subscribe, and rate us five stars on your podcast platform. Um please reach out to us if you have any questions or any topics you you would like us to talk about. And with that, this is that's about climate.